get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio. No doubt about it, eh? You're listening to Kurt, Bill, and Jeff on Let's Go Blues Radio, the original St. Louis Blues hockey fan podcast. Take it away, boys. Come on, St. Louis hockey fans, stand up and cheer. The Blues are back strong. This is our year. It's the Blues turn now. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Yeah, it's the Blues turn now. With that Al McKenna slap shot, you know we can't lose. Let's do that hockey. Come on, St. Louis! All over the hockey universe, the note is the news. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 45 of Let's Go Blues Radio. We're broadcasting live on... Uh, what is it? What is tonight? Monday. Monday. Monday, April 22nd, 2019. This is Franchise Episode number 178 all time. Your hosts tonight are yours truly, Kurt Price, Bill Day, and Jeff Ponder. And we'll be with you for the next little while talking St. Louis Blues playoff hockey and their first round, a successful first round matchup against the Winnipeg Jets and uh, what they have to look forward to uh, in the uh, next round. To interact with us on social media, follow us, follow the show on Twitter at LGB Radio, at Kurt Price is mine, at Billy Blue Notes is Bill's, and at JPonder94 is Jeff's. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and the website is letsgoblues.com, where you can listen to past episodes, browse the discussion forum, as well as get some cool shirts, mugs, and stickers that uh, you cannot find anywhere else. Uh, hey, guys. Hey there. <laughs> hey. Hey. What are we going to talk about tonight? I don't know. How about uh, playoff brackets, or um, maybe the Cardinals are playing tonight. My oh. God, we cannot talk about playoff brackets. <laughs> mine is mine is destroyed. Yeah, everybody, everybody outside of the one rare fan who lives in Columbus and also happens to be a fan of the Colorado Avalanche <laughs> are busting. Yeah, I mean, I... who would who would have guessed it? I mean, I listen, I, I I called that Calgary was ripe for the pickings. That's who I wanted in the first round. But I didn't think Colorado was going to knock them out like they did. I mean, they after that first game, Colorado made them look foolish. Yeah, I I, uh, I guess uh, what Bill made, uh, you know what Bill made a comment about goaltending, but I don't I don't think Mike Smith played that bad. He was just pow- no, he, he played was just, fine. He was attacked. No. He was under Great. siege. Yes, yeah, Smitty surprisingly wasn't the issue. You know, mm-hmm. most most of the series I think has been defined by goaltending, not that one. You know, I just think Colorado's offense was just super dominant. Nathan McKinnon, uh, Miko Rantanen were just insane. I know Dallas and Nashville are uh, on uh, intermission right now, right? But they're not on. Are they on NBC Sports Network right now? Yeah, uh, they're CNBC tonight. Well, I'm watching through the app, NBC yeah. Sports app. Ah, that's why. Yeah, <clears throat> I was too, but I figured out I can't mute the game, so. It's distracting. So say I keep watching highlights of the Washington game. I'm like, there's another game on right now. What the hell? <laughs> uh, yeah, my I've got I had uh, I have Calgary and St. Louis in the conference finals, and I have uh, at Tampa Bay and Washington in the uh, conference finals in the East. And so I've you know, got 
two of my two of my final four are gone. Um, I got uh, Tampa and Pittsburgh in the East, mm. and uh, I've got uh, St. Louis and San Jose, which mm. that one's not looking terrible. But when San Jose was down three one, it sure was. Yeah, wow. They still that was a good game last night. That was a really good overtime, man. Was, yeah, it was. Man, how, what a heartbreaker for the Knights. No kidding. To lose, I, to lose in double overtime shorthanded. I know. And it's well, now they know how the Kings feel when Steen scored. Uh but uh yeah, the uh the, especially when they had that that shot that was going in with the two Knights yeah. players, they dove and I don't know how it, I don't know how it was kept out. They 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 collided at the goal line and the puck squirts free. That's it was strange. Crazy. I like yeah. uh Bob Rakowski in our YouTube chat. People who pick their brackets because they like the jerseys better are golden this year. No kidding. Excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, at this point, I did a, a uh, football pick them every week a couple years ago, and somebody's mom had joined, one of my buddy's moms, and she knew nothing about football. Nothing. She picked it by mascots. She won. She won <laughs> the whole damn thing. If, if you're picking... uh. Uh, Columbus over Tampa Bay because they you think they have a better jersey. You have bad taste in jerseys too, because I I I, I think uh, Tampa Bay's jersey is pretty fantastic since they did the redesign uh, a few years ago. Maybe they like the uh, the Civil War. Maybe Ken Hitchcock would have picked the Blue Jackets because he's a big Civil War buff. Uh, official beers of, of episode one hundred and seventy eight. Let's go nuts. Let's go nuts here. Kurt, why don't you start? Oh, psh, me, my, yeah. my, we're going to start off with a, with a, with not, okay. Well, we can only go up from here because, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have a lot in my fridge because of Easter. <laughs> I took, mm-hmm. I took some stuff over my parents' house and I kind of forgot my cooler there. So I have, uh, the good old Bud Light Orange from my fridge. <laughs> I was going to, uh, I was, I thought about breaking open a, a Madagascar or a Bourbon County or something. To celebrate the uh, first uh, round uh, series, but I did not do that. So, Bud Light Orange—it's a St. Louis beer, so I'll, I'll just—we'll drinking local tonight. I, uh, you know, what's funny is that I'm actually uh, uh, picked a beer that not our typical fancy beer, as some people have said. I'm going with a little PBR tonight, mm. and there's a reason behind that. Um, the first time that I went to a blues game of age 21 to celebrate my first game, uh, being able to drink in the stadium. Yes. Cause this is a St. Louis thing to do on the way to the stadium. I drank a PBR. So I thought what better way to celebrate the blues first round victory than go back to where it all started. <laughs> I thought you'd put on a hams or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, All right, Bill. Uh, it, it's like okay. This is like a this is like a scramble in golf where Ponder and I have shanked, and you you got to get one in the fairway, Bill. <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta lace one down the middle. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. So I am uh I'm going with uh, a real beauty, uh, American Beauty Pale Ale from Dogfish Head Brewery. Uh, every year, Dogfish Head puts out a beer uh, to coincide with Record Store Day. And uh, this year, Record Store Day was uh, 
a week ago uh, Saturday. And that's uh, correct. So, yeah, so I went out, picked up some uh, records in the morning, and uh, on the way home, stopped by uh, Friar Tuck, picked up a six pack of American Beauty, and uh, yeah, have uh, one or two left. And so that's that's what I'm going with tonight. It is a classic American pale ale that uh, they had retired but brought it back. It is a tribute to the Grateful Dead. And it's it's a it's a nice hoppy, not overly hoppy, not not nothing crazy. I'd say I'd say it's it's uh, right down the middle of the fairway. Maybe not a long hit, but it's in the middle of the fairway tonight. Bill coming through in the clutch. He is our, the Jaden Schwartz of Let's Go Blues Radio. <laughs> Ty Sox said in the YouTube chat, uh, Schwartz has just as many airports as Winnipeg. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's that's gold, Jerry. <laughs> that's pretty good uh today in blues history courtesy of the uh, of the at stl blues history twitter account april 22nd 2019 uh, is today's date so 1997 april 22nd 1997 grant fuhr recorded his fifth career playoff shutout in a four to nothing win versus the detroit red wings this game featured a brawl at the end of the game fuhr even skated down the ice and got involved a bit um, 1992, Brett Hall scored uh, a goal in double overtime on Dominic Hasek in a 5-4 win versus the Chicago Blackhawks. Hall had four points, a goal and three assists, and Nelson Emerson scored two goals. You know, it's funny, real quick, I uh, we always joke about Blackhawks fans and how they weren't fans before 2010. I have a friend who actually is. like He, he got big into them about 2003, which I'm like, okay... Ooh. That was if you can become a Blackhawks fan at that point, I'm fine with that. You're, you know, you put in your dues. Um, Tyler Arneson era. Yeah, Tyler Arneson, Eric Daze, yeah. Keith Carney. Speaking, speaking of Eric Daze, it's amazing that you brought that up. I just picked out a jersey tonight, and this is Eric Daze's junior hockey team. Wow. The Bo- yeah, the Beauport Harfegs. <laughs> Didn't buy it for Daze. I bought it for Marty Biron. It's, uh, man, it is It is not going to come more full circle than that. Go ahead and close the show up, Kurt. <laughs> that was quick. Uh, but no, I. Yeah. So, so I was talking to a friend, and I mentioned something about, uh, we were talking about greatest goalies in Blackhawks history. You know, obviously, Ed Belfour comes to mind, and amongst the guys in the 60s and 70s. Um, but... Then I jokingly said Dominic Hasek, and he was like, oh, that's funny. That guy didn't even play for them. And I go, actually, he did. And he's like, nah. And I made him look it up. And he, he was like, oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, you really are like Blackhawks fans. Yep. You don't know your team's history. <laughs> know your history. How long, He's been a fan for how long? Since 03? Yeah, 03. Oh, man. See, he's had 16 years. He should know history now. That's been long enough. You know, oh, history. this was this was probably five years ago, but still, still eleven years. I mean, you've been you've been a fan a long. I mean, enough you to should history. know that one of the greatest goalies in the NHL played for your team. Yeah, that's a, that's not. Yeah, it's not some not some also ran. Yeah, if if for nothing else, the uh, all the replays of uh, the the one game he got in against uh, Pittsburgh in '92 in the final, and uh, he he stoned Lemieux and and uh, made some of those crazy. Uh, standing on his shoulders type saves. So, yeah, that's that's NHL lore. Today's, Shame on him. Today's date in 1990, Sergio Momesso set a Blues playoff record for fastest goal at the start of the game, uh, 18 seconds into the game. And 
Gino Cavallini scored the latest game-winning Blues playoff goal with nine seconds left in a Blues 5-4 win versus the Chicago Blackhawks on April 22nd, 1990. You know what's interesting about that is that Gino Cavallini did not fall over the blue line. Instead, he scored a goal. Gino Cavallini was a fan favorite. How dare you? <laughs> I like Gino. <laughs> He's he was he just, was serviceable. <laughs> yeah, just just not a strong skater. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, to be fair, in that era, there weren't you. You didn't have to be a strong skater to be a good player, necessarily. True. Uh, the uh, in 1965, today's date 1965, the late Peter Zezel, who had two stints with the Blues, would have turned 54 today. Uh, born in the state in, in Toronto, Ontario. That's in Canada. Um, oh, and to uh, and to honor Mr. Zezel, we've got uh, his uh, character from Youngblood, the jersey that I own, uh, Rossini, number 12, from Youngblood. That uh, Zezel Zezel played him in the movie, so there you go. That's why it's hanging up behind me. Happy always birthday, big, Mr. Zezel! Yeah, everyone was always a big fan of Zezel when he was here. He was, he was, yeah, he, was, he played. It was, he, I don't know how many times I heard comments from from broadcast guys when his his play on the boards, where it, yeah, it was. Like, hey, uh, he played soccer growing up, so he's good with his feet. Heard that a number yeah. of times, so many times. Yeah, play on the boards, and he was an excellent faceoff guy because mm-hmm. of it. He was he was one of the first guys to really, you know, come along and attempt to always kick the puck. Mm-hmm. Tie the stick up, kick it with your feet, kick it with a skate. Um, let's see. I mean, we could talk about the first round, I guess. Uh, round one, round one, Blues and Jets. Um, this is from also from STL Blues history. Uh, the Blues have won twenty eight playoff series in their history. This one. The one against the Jets, the one the Blues just won on uh, Saturday. This was only the fourth playoff series they won when a Blues defenseman did not, did not score a goal. Uh, they did this in uh, this year versus Winnipeg, 2012 versus San Jose, 1970 versus Minnesota, and 69 versus Philadelphia. So, and it's interesting because the Blues uh, led the league in goals from defensemen this year, and they did not get a goal uh, in the playoffs so far. Yeah, uh, you well, got to think they will. It dates back ten yeah. games because they the last four games of the regular season they didn't either. Yeah, I mean it. It really looked like uh, Winnipeg choked off the the points for the most part, you know. Uh, and the Blues' defense just they weren't shooting the puck all that often. No, you know, I and, I can think of two shots that the Blues' defenseman took, and they were both by Pareko. One of them broke <laughs> Nikolai Ehlers' leg. Yeah. The oh, other one. The other one, unfortunately, did break Blake Wheeler's leg. Yeah, and, and, and that makes sense that they would try and stifle that because that was a strong that was a uh, strong suit for the Blues this season. So I mean, you know, oh, we'll shut down the Blues scoring from the blue line, and uh, we'll be in pretty good shape. And then Schwartz happened. <laughs> they man, they uh, they really did. I mean, they were they were pinching up at those points like crazy. The Blues, there was the the best they could do was just kind of keep it in the zone. I mean, there was multiple times that I remember, you know, Petrangelo or, or Pareko or Bo Meester or any of those guys getting the puck at the point and they got a guy rushing on them right away. And it's, you know, if you don't get rid of that puck, you're possibly seeing a, 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 a turnover and then a, an odd man rush the other way. So 
Yeah, I mean, every time the Blues got the puck at the point, they were just dumping it back behind the net because that's the only play they had. And, you know, to be honest, uh, the first good portion of the series, first half the series at least, uh, the Blues didn't have a lot of extended uh, ozone time and pressure. They didn't have a lot of sustained pressure in the offensive zone to where they could have a number of chances uh, where they could pass it back to the point and, and get a shot off. They didn't have a ton of those uh, chances. So that was so that that may have played into it too, where they just didn't have as many opportunities to even go there. Uh, so game five was in Winnipeg. Cause we talked our last show was after game four. So we were, we were a bit down after being up two games and then, uh, and then having the jets come back and win the next two in our building. Uh, so it was back to Winnipeg for game five. Uh, and then Lowry scores, uh, 12 seconds into this game where the, uh, the jets won the draw, Dump the puck in the in the Blues end, in the corner, and this uh, both Bowmeister and Dunn. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Inexplicably, go in not just behind the end red line. They both went into the corner. Both yeah. the defensemen go into the corner, which is like it, it's first off, it's it's hockey one on one. Both your D men aren't supposed to go behind the end red lines, if at all possible. And for God's sakes, don't go into the same corner. My God, what the hell are you doing? So uh, they battle for the puck against uh, Cobb in the corner. And then Tanev slides in, grabs a loose puck, throws it towards the net from the corner. Uh, and I think Tanev knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that RD was be- was out of position, and he knew that uh, they had a guy in front. He throws it on net, like a lot of players do nowadays. They throw that that bad angle shot on net to get a rebound. And uh, Bennington made the save, and the rebound goes right to Lowry in the slot. Who was basically all alone? O'Reilly, I mean, he was there. I he probably should have picked him up, because um, what else is he going to do there? Um, and then he just had a uh, slammed it by Bennington on the on the on the blocker side post. But it, it was it was just a breakdown. I mean, you you mentioned with the defenseman that was the the big play for me. It just it's funny because going into this game, I was saying uh, to my wife before the game started, I said, "Man, they have got." to come out strong. If they don't come out strong, they're screwed because Winnipeg is coming into this game. The arena is going to be rocking. They've got all the momentum in the series. And all of a sudden, 12 seconds in, boom, they're up one nothing. And it just, the Blues look like, and I, you know, I hate using this cliche, but they look like they weren't ready for the game to start. I mean, they they were all over the ice. They didn't read that well. Bo Meester and Dunn, uh, and I, I had mentioned, I think after game four, I thought Jay Bowmeister has looked awful and Dunn hasn't looked much better. So then this starts and it's, Oh my God, here we go again. Yeah. Um, it, it was just, it just, they looked out of sync completely in games three and four. Uh, I mean, most of the series, the defense's own coverage was a problem. We talked about this. We talked about how, uh, guys are being left all alone in the slot. The uh, line, a especially had a number of chances. Alani, Wheeler, Shifley, they're just, they're just not picking up guys. And and we, I, I think I tweeted this even. Like, this should have been stressed uh, a lot about defense's own coverage. Okay, we're, we're tied 2-2 now. We're going to Winnipeg. We're going to concentrate a little bit more on defense's own coverage. And what do they fucking do 12 seconds into the game? They completely blow coverage and assignments in their own end. They couldn't wait to just screw it up. Um, which just pissed me off. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah, it's it, so for Bowmeister and Dunn to be the starting pairing. You know that those 
you know, uh, an answer to the fact that Winnipeg was starting their third line. And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they were out there against the Shifley line. Um, but I, I think part of it has to be the, you know, Dunn playing on his offside and playing with Bowmeister. You know, they, they didn't pair up a whole lot. I, you know, I think for the most part, whenever it was done on his offside, it was with Edmondson uh, down the stretch. So it was a bit of an odd combination. And yeah, they, they just really blew coverage. Like you said, just awful awful start i was just i i, I was like wow i don't it, it was just uh i don't know my my i'm lost for words almost at it because it's just so so stupid i don't know it didn't make any sense uh and hayes makes it uh two nothing as he uh beat edmondson wide and cut in front and i had i had a huge, huge problem with dunn in this game uh early on he uh he beats edmondson wide okay fine okay edmondson got beat um, but then Dunn is standing in the slot as Hayes cuts in front and Dunn does nothing. Dunn doesn't even reach for him, doesn't even try and get, get a whack on a stick, poke the puck away, nothing. And uh, Barbashev is behind Dunn uh, covering a man. Who is he covering? He's covering uh, someone. And Barbashev made more of a de- defensive play on uh, Hayes then Dunn did, and and Dunn just watched him go by, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, um, you know, I'm not. I, I criticize coaches in the past for benching players for making one stupid mistake, but all of a sudden Dunn's on, and he kind of botched two plays, and it's got two goals. Now I'm not blaming Edmondson too much because Edmondson's hustling, he's trying. If you get beat, you get beat when you're trying. He got beat wide, okay, but Dunn just wasn't doing anything. He, you know, a lot of a lot of People, a lot of fans will say wrongly, might I add. Uh, too often you hear, "Oh man, they just—they're not trying out there. The, the effort's not there." No, the effort's there almost every time people say that when they're trying to be critical of the team when they're not playing well. The effort's there. The execution's not there. It's a difference. Um, but uh, this here, Dan Dunn just did. Uh, he was caught watching. That's the best explanation I got for that. He was just caught watching, and it was two nothing uh, uh, Jets. Yeah, again, maybe a function of him playing on his offside. Um, but you know, the at that point, the um, you know, three of the last four goals in the series were Jets offensemen blowing by a defender at the blue line and forcing a play to the net. You know, that's the uh, the I think Wheeler did it, Shifley did it, um, Shifley did it on the uh, game winner in uh game four uh the overtime winner by uh uh connor Connor. but yeah just uh, yeah just not there he mentally checked out uh for a couple of periods it seemed like for uh for mr dunn we had mentioned last week the uh the heat map of the shots and and the goals (laughs) um for both teams and that that trend continued in this game i mean the Blues didn't have a ton of chances in the first, but every shot was was from the outside. You look at where Winnipeg got their two goals this period, um, and then really, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the next chance that 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 Kevin Hayes got in the second period, but that was another one that they should have scored, and he was literally right there on top of the crease. So, I mean, that is there. They've got a game plan. They've stuck to it, and at this point. The Blues just were not responding. They were not 
picking up the guys they need to pick up. Like, like uh, Kurt said, they're watching the play and, and not executing. Um, I agree with you on effort. I think that's crap. I think that's just a, a go-to easy analysis. It's lazy. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, think about it. You know, anyone who's played the game, have you ever gone out there and not tried? It's just, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, especially at that level, this level, you're, the guys are out there hustling. I mean, you can just, you can tell when a player is trying and when he's not and the, the efforts almost always there it's just almost always almost yeah it's and this i mean i i, I so there's players that float and there are players that play their game but they're not playing their game much differently than they always do you know what i mean it's just yeah. a it's just they're all of a sudden not trying it's that that's that's absurd yeah but no it's uh again this is the the game plan of the jets is to force plays in the middle and, um, you know, have their big guns where they need to be. I mean, again, we're, we talked about it last week that the big guys are scoring for the Jets at this point. Um, not obviously Adam Lowry is a fourth line guy, but they've got an excellent fourth line there in Winnipeg. Um, and then Kevin Hayes, just a, a, a deadline acquisition that they wanted to bring in the depth and he's doing the right thing. So at this point, two nothing. And you're saying and again, two goals right in front of Bennington. And it's just. Oh my God! They're just gonna keep shoving it down the Blues' throats. I mean, it was it was looking pretty grim at this point. Um, I believe you may have even given up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, there was a, a certain J Ponder ninety four on Twitter that uh, had basically said that uh, this team, you know, we talked. It was what we talked about last week. You know it. it if the Blues lose in the first round, is is it still a successful season? And I kind of just reiterated what I said that uh, no, it's not because we had expectations coming into the year, and if they don't meet those and they lose in the first round, I don't care how they got there. So yeah, at this point, I was negative. I had oh, that, kind of accepted defeat, and it, uh, boy, I've never been happier to be wrong. It's I mean I think everybody everybody was pretty negative you you just blew uh, a 2-0 series lead by losing two games at home and you're down to nothing playing poorly in winnipeg um, and we've seen two uh, previous uh series this decade where we had 2-0 leads and blew them uh yep. so, uh, losing four straight both times so uh it, it was it was pretty uh social media was in a panic I think. Um the the Winnipeg crowd was chanting chanting you look nervous. That was embarrassing. That uh, was hilarious yeah. though. It was good. No, it was good. It was good. I mean it was embarrassing for Blues fans like oh my god, we can't say anything because I just you know we're losing. Um in the second period Hayes almost had his second of the game uh but stopped his own shot. This was big. This was so yeah. huge. It, it's where the series turned. Yeah, uh, left all alone in front of Bennington again, uh, and he redirected a pass through Bennington's legs. Uh, but you know, credit Preco, I guess, because when, when, when Preco checks him, and because uh, he tries to reach around uh, Bennington, nah, and uh, hit it in, because uh, it was it was going in anyway. The puck was going; it had enough momentum to get across the line anyway. Um, don't know if Bennington was going to circle, was going to swing around and and knock it out before it went in. Doubtful. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, yeah. he reaches a stick around and, uh, Preco checks him and his stick kind of just <laughs> he ends up hitting the puck away from the goal, uh, away from the goal line, uh, as opposed to in the goal, which was, uh, hilarious to be well, honest. Well, everyone listening to the show 
probably most likely you're not getting your blues news from us. You know what happened. Right. So it's it's fair for me to say that's a play that I think Hayes is going to watch all summer. I mean, not not saying he's going to watch it on repeat, but he's going to see it and say, oh, God, you know, but really, I mean, this happens. I mean, like you said, it wasn't like he just had a wide open net and then just pulled his stick the wrong no, way. I mean, no. I know that's how it looks. No, Preco but... hit him. It just, it just kind of, he went, I mean, Preco hits you and you're, you're going down and your stick does goofy stuff. You're just, you're doing whatever you can to like one, stay on your skates and two, just poke at the puck and mm. hope you can get it in the net. <laughs> I mean, we've, again, people who've played the game have had situations like this happen before where maybe you're, you know, taking a shot and, and somebody, lifts your stick at the last second and it goes five feet wide, you know, whatever. Um, it happens. But yeah, I mean, for, for Kevin Hayes, that's something he's going to be thinking about for a long time. He's got a long summer to think about that. Yeah. Right up until the time he gets paid by whoever's yeah. going to sign him in the off season. <laughs> uh, UFA problems. L- late in the uh, second period, Hayes had a chance at another goal as he was sent in on a breakaway, but uh, Benton made the sprawling save as Hayes just flat out waited too long to shoot. Uh, ran out of room. Ran out of real estate, as they say. Uh, so, Man. Uh, oh, no, go ahead. I would, and what were you going to say about the, the, the leg, the scissor come together leg uh, save by Bennington that almost kicked well, it I was, in? I, I was just going to say, man, it's, it, and I, I'm not, I am not wanting to come on here and bitch about Jake Allen. There's no reason to but I will say it sure is nice to have a goalie that when there's a breakaway, there's at least a 50-50 chance that he's going to make the save. And not only make the save, but, but look good and not just get his body in front of it. Look positional and do the right thing. Because like you said, Hayes runs out of room. It, it, there's a reason. You know, It's not like he just like kept skating and... Oh, all of a sudden, I'm behind the net. I mean, Jordan Bennington stayed with him, and that's why he didn't have the room to get a good shot on because he's looking up saying, okay, I'm gonna. he's going to have a hole eventually. He's going to have a hole. Never got a hole. And so that was just mm. – that, that, I love that. That's what I love about seeing Jordan Bennington in net. Yeah, he stayed with him, and he slid, but he didn't overslide. He didn't slide back to to where he was himself halfway in the net. You know, that that one of the keys on that play was the fact that he was able to scissor his legs together. If he's closer to the net, man, that's that could be really problematic. Yeah. He could kick it in easily. Yeah. And he, I mean, it, it, like you said, the, the, he stayed with him and uh, he didn't have an open net to shoot at uh, when he made a move. Uh, he had to try and elevate the puck over his pad. It was in too close and ended up, he actually shot it when he was behind the red line. And it went under his near pad, then his near pad, and then uh, his actually is his uh, his left pad uh, made the save. Luckily, didn't you he know, didn't put it in his net though when he put his legs together. There's you know there's still a chance that, that you know in five years we're going to be looking back at Jordan Bennington and saying, man, that guy was great. Why couldn't he figure it out and stay in the NHL longer? There's always yeah. a chance of that. But I will say yeah. that it is so nice again just having a goalie back there that plays a positional game that we're like, okay, he's gonna he's going to do everything he can to make sure there's not a hole for a guy to, to put the puck on an odd man rush or a breakaway. Whereas again, 
Jake Allen, there's about seven holes in him when you're coming in on a, on a breakaway. Here, here's you know, what it's, it's just nice to see. Here's what here's what I this my it, it's a it's a it's a confidence in Bennington that that we haven't had in Allen in since the first round in Minnesota when he was playing out of his mind. Uh, I had that confidence in Allen then uh, during that series, um, but it's like you said, it's nice to just have confidence in a goalie that he's going to stop what he should and a few that he shouldn't. And he's going to, he's, and even if he does allow a goal or maybe even a bad goal, um, it's not going to matter to him. And he's, he's going to stay, he's going to maintain and play good hockey, consistent hockey. He, He doesn't let stuff get to him, which for a while I was like, okay, you know, early on, uh, in a stint when he first started uh, playing the season, people were like, oh man, he's so stoic. He's so uh, calm and he doesn't get rattled. I'm like, okay, well let's, let's give him some opportunities to get rattled. There's a number of them first to make sure that's actually a trend with him. I'll be damned. He, he just does not get, he does not get rattled. That, that first goal um, in the, in game five, when they, when they scored, uh, was it 12? What was it? Yeah, the first goal. It, that, that that could have rattled a bunch of goalies. Um, ended up 2 nothing. The crowd going ballistic in Winnipeg. That could have rattled a whole bunch of goalies. And, and the fact that you had just lost two games in a row. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and one of them was a game where they lit you up um, through no fault of your own. Maybe one of them you should have had. But, that I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad game by Bennington. A lot of pe- people will tell you otherwise. Oh, that's six goals, a bad game. No. It was. I, it was not a bad game by him. Not his best game, but it was not a. It's not. It was not. Yeah, it's not pull worthy. Uh so uh, lose trail two nothing going to the third in game five, one twenty eight into the third, stuff changed. Uh, O'Reilly scores in the power play. The Blues are on the power play. So two to one Blues. Nice play. O'Reilly got it started, uh, and then. I think uh, I think uh, I was listening to Winnipeg Sports Talk Radio, and I didn't notice this. That after that goal, after O'Reilly's goal, the Blues did not have another scoring chance until Shen scored with six oh eight left. Did you guys know that? Hear that? Mm-mm. That's what they I did said. Not. I did, that's what they said, and I didn't. I didn't uh, look up it to verify it. I assume it's right. I mean, whatever. But uh, uh, they said that was. I mean, the Blues had pressure in that third period and they played well for the most part but uh apparently they didn't get an official scoring chance until 608 uh when shen scored it actually doesn't surprise me i thought um even though winnipeg was hemmed in their zone a lot i thought they still played some pretty solid d i mean we we've talked last week and shit even when we were previewing the series about how good winnipeg is about keeping the puck out of the middle and i think they still did that um but yeah, I mean, they, the Blues just had so much pressure, and you just kind of got the feeling after that O'Reilly goal, like, okay, mm. they're they're at least gonna make this a game because they're gonna they're gonna keep bringing it to them. Um, but yeah, now that I think about it, I can't think of another great chance between those two goals. Well, I mean, and it was it was only two nothing. I mean, the, the the joke was always made. It was the worst lead in hockey. Um, I, but you know, you, you make it two to one playoffs. It's, that's nothing. I mean, two to one in the playoffs, you, you mean you get, you find another gear in the playoffs all the time. It's just, you, you see leads disappear like crazy, but so two to one, I'm feeling good. I mean, you're within one goal. Don't give up a third one, please God, you know, because you just got back two to one. 
Um, but then Shen scores with six away left in the game to tie it up. Uh, Sunquist uh, crashed the net with the puck. This was interesting because he was uh, he was hauled down and the puck slides over to Shen back door, and Shen backhands it by Hellebuck as uh, as as Sunquist is sliding to the net after being knocked down and knocks it off his moorings. So it's funny because I knew the rule here and I was like, well this this goal is going to count assuming a few things happen. Um, was the was the puck going to go in anyway? You know, uh, um, and did the defense cause the puck cause the goal to be dislodged? So yes, and the puck was going to go in anyway. Yes. And was the player in active shooting uh, when the when the goal uh, uh, was knocked off? Uh, yes. So I, I thought I'm like I don't see how this goal can not count. And they didn't call it a goal on the ice. They called it no goal. But uh, they reviewed it and they said yes, it was a goal. So I was I was pretty confident that they were going to rule it a goal because I didn't understand how they you know wouldn't have. But um, which feed were you guys watching? I was watching Fox Sports. Yeah, you I was too. Okay, so I was watching um, the NHL, uh, whatever that one was. The I guess it was TSN uh, broadcast on NBC Sports, and um, and uh, Ray Ferraro made a really good point on this. Even though it's obvious, you know, watching that play, it's easy to tell that the puck would have gone in, uh, you know, because it was basically the center of the net. But Ray Ferraro made a good point that a good barometer. And it, it worked out well for the Blues. Is if the uh, the well, I can't think of what they're called the the spikes that they keep the net in place. The moorings. The moorings. Moorings. Thank you. Which are, the are moorings, they're just plastic pieces now. They're not really moorings yeah. anymore. They're marsh pegs. <laughs> yeah, they used peg. to be metal. That's that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Peg actually, but uh, yeah. but peg. So the pegs actually remained in in spot. If you notice, if you watch that replay, the pegs stay in. The puck got or the the net got lifted, so um, it was able to to keep the pegs in spot. So Ray Ferraro said it's an easy barometer because you see where the peg is on the other side of the net, and it's obviously going way in front of that. Yeah. So that's a good indication that that's going to be a goal. I think it was going to be in uh, by about six or eight inches. It was inside the post, easy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, easy. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's just a, for replay purposes. If you know, the head coach comes out and says, you know, what the hell NHL, they can point to that and say, Hey, look, look where the, look where the peg is. And, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I thought the same thing when it first went in at, you know, at, at full speed, I agreed with the officials. I'm like, Oh God damn it. That sucks. But then the minute the, that I started watching the replays, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a goal. That's a goal. So yeah. it, it's, uh, it's good that we have video replay in instances like that. Well, that when the when the when the when it first went in, I thought, oh, the goal came off. And wait a minute, no, the goal the goal came off. But I've seen goals go in, goals count after the goal came off. And like I said, the the three uh, stipulations had to be in place uh, for a goal to count if the goal comes off. And I'm like, well, let's see the replay, let's see if they're met, and they were. So it was yeah. A, there there was a time when the, right. the net being off its oh. you know, off the moorings was an automatic disqualifier. There was but a time when changed. there was a time when if the net would just be bumped Move up in up. the air an inch, right. it wouldn't count. Yeah. Right. But that's, that hasn't been the case in a while. The, I forget what year the, uh, the GMs changed the rule. Um, but that it seems to be a common misconception. Um, how far ahead of this game are you? I, I'm I'm at I'm at five twenty remaining right now. Oh, okay, yeah, Ooh. I'm about twenty seconds behind you. 
I'm the, about 30 uh, seconds behind you. I the, yeah. they I, I, I looked up earlier and I saw that Nashville had the two two one breakaway. Oh my god, this game has gotten fantastic. <laughs> Nashville, oh, wow. I I just saw that play that you ooed about. Yeah, Na- <laughs> Nashville and Dallas. It's one one five minutes to go in the third. Uh, oh my god. Uh, Dallas obviously up. Three I just saw it play now. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas, up. you get all three of our reactions in a, in a very genuine way. Dallas up three games to two, and Nashville. Had, I mean, both teams have just—they've almost scored their second goal about ten times. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Um, Rodney in the uh, YouTube chat is—he's—he's uh, he's saying "Amen, Jeff." So I said something he agreed with. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Tice Huck also says, "Got that beer ready for you guys." Ah, that's yes. So we'll have to. We got that's we, awesome. We got it. Yeah, he uh, stuff that he brews. So he's gonna yeah. he's gonna give us uh give us something to try on the air. Looking awesome. forward to that. Um, awesome. We can uh, let's see if we can that. get that together for for next episode for uh, middle of the second round episode. Uh all right, so real quick on um, on the goal that was allowed after video replay, um, oh. I thought I thought Hellebuck made a very uh, in, kind of an interesting argument from a goaltending perspective um, in it, but I think it was sour grapes ultimately um, that uh, with the net coming off the moorings, he had nothing to push off yeah. against to get across. It's it's a valid point, but that's that's not the rule. I was saying, yeah, uh, it's not the rule. And I think he was he also was relying on that old misconception that if it's off at all, it's you know it can't be a goal. Wait a second though, because so. the goal gets pushed off from his right to his left. He's his back his back is to the goal, right? So if he's pushing off, he's pushing off right skate to left, right? Like he's pushing off the right post. Now that I, 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 so really, he he has a post to, to kick to push off of. Yeah, but it 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 didn't just get pushed right to left; it got pushed behind, and so that he doesn't have any leverage coming off the post. Uh, Paul Maurice behind and up. Pa- Paul Maurice uh, said after the game, he was asked about it, and he was like, "Well, I, he, I mean, usually he's pretty uh, level headed in the post game with his comments, but I thought." Oh. I think he was a little off base here. He he bet well. The, you know, the goal was six inches off the off the you know the post or off the pegs. You know, I mean, how much more evidence do you need? I'm like, that's not the rule, dude. You know, that's I mean. But uh, so the game winning goal, um, Schwartz out of mid air, and I have a breakdown for this goal. Is this sequence? I is just a lot of stuff happened. Obviously, so the puck is behind the Jets net. Twenty six seconds to play. Uh, Schwartz scores with 15 seconds to go. So the puck is behind the net with the Jets uh, 26 seconds to play. Truba has gets to the puck behind the net, but he decides not to not to wrap around the boards or uh, up the, off the glass or anything. He just tries to yeah, hold it there. Yeah, what the hell was that? That was dumb. I I, I, I thought at the time I'm like, oh, you're gonna try and kill this? Good, keep it in the zone. Yeah. So yeah. So he tries to kill the clock. Like players see, you know, they put their stick over the puck and they'll they'll put their 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 legs in the wind try and just hold the puck. Against the boards, so Schwartz and Steen come in and battle for it uh, with 22 and a half seconds remaining. It gets poked free to the corner with 19 and a half seconds left. Truba, for some reason, as he's behind the net, still looks into the crowd. Do you guys see this? He looks into yeah. the crowd and is staring at something for a good two seconds. Um, and then Steen and, and he's still behind the net. And Steen then battles Shifley in the corner, 
and the puck squirts up the boards with 18 seconds left. Bozak zips in front of Kyle Connor to intercept the loose puck on the boards with 17 seconds left. Truba is still behind the red line uh, at this point and moving rather casually towards the front of the net where Schwartz was moving towards and in position. With 16.7 seconds remaining, Bozak turns and fires the puck about a foot off the ice to the low slot where Schwartz had moved to, and Truba had just gotten there uh, and likely not ready for the play. As Schwartz redirects the pass out of midair before Truba could tie up a stick, uh, Truba kind of lunges out with his, this, with his uh, skate and his leg to try and deflect it a little bit and just misses it because he wasn't quite in position, maybe. Um, Schwartz redirects the pass out of midair um, and uh, under Hellebuck's blocker arm and in the back of the net with 15 seconds to go. Bedlam ensues. The crowd goes silent. John Kelly is as excited as I've ever heard him. Uh, and if, if Truba doesn't stare into the crowd for a couple seconds, um, he might have had time to drift out a little farther and disrupt Schwartz so he couldn't uh, redirect the puck on net. We'll never know. Uh, but uh, the Blues win 3-2 to on that goal. I thought that play was fascinating when I slowed it down and just looked at what was going on. That was a lot of, ha- a lot of stuff happened, a lot of mistakes uh, by Truba, I, I think, uh, on that play. The only thing that I could think of for him, because I've actually heard Wayne Gretzky uh, has has before looked into the glass to see where players are on the ice. So I'm thinking, but when you because you posted that, you posted a, a a still of him looking into the crowd, seemingly, and it made me think, okay, he maybe he's using the glass to determine where players are on the ice without having to turn around and keep his eyes off the puck. Right. But he didn't react. He didn't. It's not like he looked up, looked in the glass, and then moved towards shorts. He just stood there. It's yeah. That's was, what I, are you doing, man? I guess that's possible. But but the the puck wasn't at his feet, or he didn't have the puck. You know what I mean? So it, when when the puck is squirts to the corner, that's when he looks up in the glass. The puck's in the corner. So I mean, it. I, I don't know. Maybe he was looking in the glass to see where players were, because I've heard of that. I, I I remember Gretzky saying that too, but. Uh, yeah, I, it was just kind of odd that, uh, that, that whole sequence of play and how it happened. Um, I, I'm not sure if looking in the glass was necessary there because he really could have just turned around and looked because the puck wasn't right. at his feet. I mean, he, he wasn't, right. you know, so I don't know. I don't know. It, it was a very strange play, but, uh, Hey, I'll fucking take it. Oh God. <laughs> I, I, that, that, I, I went ballistic on that goal. All my kids yeah. were just laughing. I've been making, they were just couldn't get enough of my. My, I ran. I, I jumped up and I ran down the hall in my basement. Yeah. I just I ran. I ran away from the TV, yelling uh, for about thirty feet. I just ran down the hall. <laughs> yeah, I've I totally yeah flipped my dogs out. They they had no idea if if I was going to kill them or if I was happy. And yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I was accused of waking the neighborhood up by my girlfriend, and yeah, it was it was bedlam absolute bedlam and i feel like i this is this is where i'm gonna comment on my comments from last week you guys i know you kind of echoed what i said but uh let's just let's just have this open for one little discussion here and then we can move on from it because obviously schwartz comes up a lot more in this series um I got a lot of shit on Twitter and Facebook. I wonder why. Text, text from friends. <laughs> oh, I wonder and, why. And honestly, I deserve it, and I'm fine with it. Like I said on Twitter, call me stupid, call me dumb for saying they should have been Schwartz for Game Five, 
because hey, I'm happy to be wrong. I was happy that that he made me look foolish by saying that. But I will say, and I said this to you guys already, I do still stand by my comments. And the reason I do, and I'm not trying to sound like Mike Milberry or any of those guys, but he was playing like shit. Uh, not just the series, but go- I mean, we, we talked about it at the end of the season that we thought maybe he was playing injured. And we're like, he just doesn't look like Jaden Schwartz. He didn't look like Jaden Schwartz going into the series during the series up until that goal. I was still cursing his name in game five. Just, you know, there was multiple times where he carried the puck in and he'd lose it. Or he would just put a dumb shot behind the net with a, and miss the net by two feet. And it's just, oh my God, why does this guy keep playing? So I will stand by my comments. Now, like I said, I am happy the coaching staff didn't listen to me, that they didn't listen to the show and say, yeah, that Ponder guy's right. We should probably bench this guy. Uh, I'm happy that didn't happen because I wanted him to turn it around. That would be the reason to bench him because you bench him again. Game six, he comes out, plays great. Okay, yeah, great. That's what happened to David Perron middle of the year. But again, call me stupid. Call me dumb for my comments. I will stand by them. But I am very glad that I was wrong. I was of I I I, uh, I know I remember when you said that you uh, wanted to bench him. I was more inclined to uh, shaking up the lines and moving him down. I wasn't necessarily uh, wanting him to be benched. But uh, kudos to Berube for sticking with him uh, for and basically just running him out there. Uh, Obviously, he saw something we didn't. Well, I mean. I guess uh, you, I mean, because I, I commented that Jim Thomas said that, oh, I think Brube's going to go with the guys that got him there. I'm like, Schwartz didn't get you here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he he, well, he it played a huge role in getting them to the second round. So. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest roles. He's, yep. I mean, yeah, it was only two games, but that's two massive games. That's games they needed. So, and, and I, listen, I'll say, too, the reason I was for the benching was I thought the rest of the lines were playing so well, why break them up? Why switch? Not not they were playing so well, but the fact that there was really no other problem players when Sanford came out of the lineup. And I didn't want to see a problem player who's just not playing well thrown with guys who are trying to do the right thing, not that Schwartz isn't, but just that he didn't look good. So I was wanting to just you know give him a game off, see what happens, put him out there for game six, maybe the Blues win, put him out there for game six, maybe he has a big game. So I... Again, though, I couldn't be happier that that I made the wrong call. Doug in the YouTube chat uh, was uh, something I was just going to talk about, um, that swapping Perron and Shen was the difference maker for, uh, obviously, because uh, moving Shen to the second line, because Shen wasn't doing a whole lot uh, in this series either. So uh, move Shen down, move Perron up, Perron up, because Perron had success with O'Reilly and Tarasenko uh, before he suffered his concussion. When he had his 13, 14 point uh, point scoring streak during the season. So, right. And the last time that Jaden Schwartz was effective was when he was on a line with Braden Shen. Right. Yep. And, yeah. and the, there, there's so much to that. Um, you know, I, I had, uh, I think I had made the comment. I don't know if it was on Twitter or if it was just to you guys, uh, you know, 
about Schwartz that he wasn't playing North hockey. He was playing South hockey, (laughs) uh, East West. He was playing the opposite of Berube's intended style. So I think we were all fed up with him and, you know, he just, he didn't seem to be making the right decisions, but then fast forward to that decision to, uh, to, play Shen as a center, put him back in the middle. It unlocks him. It allows him to get speed through the neutral zone and, and start causing havoc. You know, Sunquist uh, moves over and, uh, you know, played pretty well. I thought um, out outside of center and it just, it, it worked. And, you know, uh, well, Shen, 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 it's been rumored that Shen, prefers playing center and has not was not as happy about the move to wing uh as i guess people would hope he'd be he he prefers to he wants to play center right and you saw the uh the interview with him after uh after the game where they said otter tapped him on the shoulder and said hey you want to go back up the middle and he said he just smiled and that was it he was back there and just you know that it's such such an important tactical in-game adjustment, mm-hmm. which I don't think the uh, the Jets answered that in you know in game six. I you know and and, and it just it gives you a different look. You know you can you can move your your left wing to the second line and then your first line or your second line wing up to the first line and shuffle positions like that, but. When you're switching a wing to a center, you know, it sounds dumb because, you know, it's three forwards on the ice. It really does change the dynamic of the line, you know, because you see uh, Sunquist kind of move to the wing there on that line. And Schwartz, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Shen looks just, he looks comfortable. I, I liked him as a center. And when they moved him to wing originally with O'Reilly and Tarasenko, I was, you know, okay, yeah, that, that line looks good. Two setup guys for Tarasenko. Two guys that'll that'll fire the puck for Tarasenko so he can do what he needs to do. But um, it just, I was I was a little upset about it too because I'm like, man, I like Shen at center. I think he's a great center. And taking away that center depth, you know, could be problematic. And obviously during the season, it really didn't affect him that much. But putting him back at center, to play on that second line. And then again, to not only give them a different look on that second line, but putting them back with a guy who had a lot of success with him in Jaden Schwartz, um, that obviously made a huge difference here for the blues. So the blues bring him back home to game six, <coughs> excuse me, uh, where a, uh, so and the road team has won, had won every game, uh, up until game six. Um, uh, so the Blues strike first and do what Winnipeg did in Game Five, uh, mm-hmm. scoring what was it thirty seconds into the game? Twenty-three. Uh, Twenty-three. Uh, and Schwartz again. So uh, I think uh, after the after the um, the Schwartz's uh, game winner in Game Five, I think I tweeted wow. out. We'll see if uh, hopefully this uh, that the biggest goal of Schwartz's career because he was interviewed is this the biggest goal of your career and he goes I'd have to say so yes. Um, for sure. The, yeah. The, so we'll see if the biggest goal of his career, uh, essentially, uh, a sudden death winning goal, you know, uh, sparks him and, uh, helps his play. So, and then he scores 23 seconds into game six, uh, courtesy of, uh, uh, Shen, <laughs> Shen driving the net on his backhand 
And this is an interesting goal too, because slowing this down and and, and uh, watching it on video, uh, it, it's interesting. Because his shot ends up hitting Hellebuck's skate. Uh, so Hellebuck's against the post, and his skate blades against the post, and shot and Shen's backhand literally goes right at the the skate blade and hits the 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 side of the skate blade, and then there and and catapults it up in the air. So it, it hit between between the bottom of his pad and the post, which the space there is the height of the skate blade, and basically the size of a puck. That's that's the only space you have. And it went through there, hit a skate blade, goes up in the air, hits the bottom of the crossbar, and it comes down and lands behind Hellebuck. And then Schwartz is behind Hellebuck and uh, and taps it in for the uh, for the for the goal to give the Blues a one nothing lead. Hellebuck called this goal a lucky goal in the post game, and he comes off. Hellebuck comes off looking like an ass, uh, a whiny bitch uh, after yeah. games five and six. Um, his post game comments and like he he's lying about what happened a number of times. First of all, but we'll get into later. But uh, call this goal a lucky goal. I'm like, dude, the puck got between you and the post. I mean, what do you want to do? Hug the post better. Um, yeah, Douglas Johannes in the YouTube chat made the point. Uh, hell of a post-game interviews from games five and six uh, made him lose all respect for him. I agree completely. Like yeah. you said, he came off as a whiny little bitch. He did. And I mean, he, he whining and lying. Not just not just whining, but he, he totally lied about a goal we'll talk about later. Um, post truth America. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, no, I, I, it's something that, cause we're going to get to talking about a couple more goals here for the blues. The thing that, that shocked me about this and, and, um, uh, Kurt, you and I kind of talked a little bit about this on Twitter. Um, so the, the Paul Maurice opts to use his challenge here. Yeah. So 23 seconds in, you got a, an, I guess an iffy play, uh, I think that even, I mean, if it was just clear as day, Jake Schwartz plows into Hellebuck, uh, and then put, puts the puck in an empty net. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and challenge that. But unless it is something outside of that, I do not use my challenge in the first 23 seconds on a goal. I mean, that no. was not, a, I mean, maybe third period, you know, you're you're uh, right. that's a, a, a goal that, that breaks a one one tie or something. OK, go ahead and give it a shot that early. No. You basically have 60 minutes left of hockey. You are going to go ahead and get rid of not only your only challenge if you lose, but you are also losing your timeout, which can come in huge, yep. huge importance late in the game. So uh, I, uh, I did not like that choice by him. And I don't know who his video coach is. But that is a bad call, and I said this on Twitter that if I'm uh, Kevin Dayoff, the GM, that is a long discussion I'm having with my head coach after that game. Yeah, because it really did cost them. They weren't able to challenge later in the game when they might have actually gotten the call. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, when they were challenging this, I, I tweeted out, I was like, I, I can't believe they're, they're, they're throwing their timeout away. Is what they're doing, yeah, and, and and their their ability to challenge again later in the game. So you're telling me that in an elimination game, uh, you're going to throw away a timeout and a challenge, uh, a future challenge, uh, on a play that has zero chance of being overturned. There was there was no chance this was going to be overturned. It was just not a chance. 
Uh, I mean, I, and I know that they 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 have to decide this fairly quickly before the puck drops, but you're telling me that you saw something in a replay that says, "Yeah, we need to challenge this." Not a, Where did you see it? Not not a chance. And I, I and I some some folks said he would be he was you know he might be challenging just to to kill the Blues momentum. It's 23 seconds into the game. Yeah. If you're cha- if you're challenging to get a timeout here or uh, to stop the Blues momentum, 23 seconds into a game, you've lost the game already. You, you're, yeah. You've lost. You, 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 you've, got, you've got almost a 23 seconds shy of a full game left, and you, you're afraid you're going to – I don't think that was the case. That couldn't have been the case because that's stupid. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I saw that too. Oh, you know, you got to change up momentum here. You're 23 <laughs> seconds into the game. If yeah. you're already worried about the momentum of the game, you're you're done. The game's over. Hasn't even been a full shift. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. But Schwartz scores again with about six minutes to go in the first period. After a flurry by the Blues, Bozak passes across the slot from behind the net to Schwartz, who fires Rish up by a down Hellebuck. This goal, we could talk about this goal for an hour. Because this was on the play. Uh, everybody has seen it. Uh, Hellebuck reach, reaches out. This is my interpretation. And if you guys want to uh, disagree with how I'm seeing this, let me know. So Hellebuck reaches out, uh, initiates contact with Maroon. Maroon standing outside the crease. Maroon is not in the crease. Uh, Hellebuck reaches out with his blocker, makes contact with Maroon's stick. And Hellebuck's blocker, his, the cuff of his blocker, gets hung up on the shaft of Maroon's stick in between Maroon's hands. Because Maroon's hands are on his stick. He's holding on to the stick. Um, it's, it's on there for a couple seconds, maybe. And he's pulling. He can't get it free. And then he kind of lunges forward, kind of falls down, gets it free, and ends up losing his stick when Schwartz shoots and can't recover in time to uh, uh, stop Schwartz's shot. So, and I, 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 I can't tell you how many times I saw people saying that Maroon was holding Hellebuck's blocker. And even the Sportsnet guys on the broadcast, on the replay I watched, they were saying he, he held, uh, uh, they were, he was holding uh, uh, Hellebuck's blocker. Um, TSN radio out of Winnipeg, just today. Um, they've had days to look over the video, and they said that he was holding he was holding Hellebuck's blocker, and everybody, all these callers, are saying, "Oh yeah, if we'd had that challenge that we wasted on that first goal, we could have challenged and overturned this goal." And uh, I've heard people say, "Oh yeah, any any logical person would say this goal was overturned because Maroon's holding Hellebuck's trapper, or uh, his blocker. If Maroon was holding his blocker, then yeah, it gets overturned, but." He's not holding his blocker. The only the only thing Maroon's holding is his own stick. He's got both hands on his own stick. Um, I agree with you, so, but okay. I, I think... I mean, first of all, think of this. There's a better chance that goal's getting overturned than the, the first the, one. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, I, and, and, you know what? Right. and you know what? I would have, I would have challenged if I was Maurice. Uh, I would, but, I, but it's not going to get overturned. I, but I would have used the challenge because that's 2-0 goal, first period, um, and there was contact, sustained contact. And maybe you get an official that sees it differently, but yeah, but but I mean, but honestly, I don't see how because the the, the video is pretty clear cut that Maroon's hands are on his stick, holding I, his own stick. I go, I go back to that Boston game all uh, the time. That was last year. That was about. last year, though. Yeah, but I'm I go back to that 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 was a clear 
clearly, clearly goalie interference, but and they, they still called it. Yeah, but they call it differently now. You know they do. They 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 have know, changed it a lot. Do, but 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 we still do see controversial calls. So I, I know. agree. With oh, I know. You. I know. I know. I, I know. I and the, and the, and I I think, I, I think Maurice should have challenged if he should have had a chance if he had a challenge left. I would have challenged if I was him. You have to in that case. I think. And I think right. I think that you're right. I think that is still a goal, um, no matter what. But there's always that that sneaking. Maybe sure. maybe right. they pull that one back. Right. And and for Winnipeg, you know, if you had a challenge, you can say, okay, here we go. Let's see what they say. And then at least you've got the presence of mind to say, okay, well, we tried. They disagreed. So good. They don't even have that chance. Right. So, that, of course, that's the question in Winnipeg right now. If we have a challenge, maybe that goal comes off the board. Maybe Winnipeg has a chance to come back and tie it 1-1, and it's a completely different game. Yeah, I, and my issue was uh, the people after the fact, after they could have reviewed the video, were saying that Maroon was holding his blocker and the play would have been overturned had they had a challenge. And I'm like... I don't see how you see that at all. That, right. that makes no sense to me. I mean, if they're saying he held the blocker, it was the trapper. It was the other glove. And they're, from the overhead view, it kind of looks like Maroon's glove, where it's positioned on his stick, is parallel up against the trapper. Oh, it was but a trapper, wasn't it? If, if, yeah, it was a trapper. Sorry. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I was saying blocker. Just, it was a trapper. Yeah. Yeah, no, because in it's it's odd because it looked like Hellebuck's the one that reached out. Yeah, you know, and there was no reason for him to do it. Um, you know, I I think the the outrage here isn't about the officials; it's about Maurice blowing it on you know the you know the the call twenty three seconds into the game. Yep. I mean that that's and you know to Jeff's point, you know he's going to have a long hard conversation. I don't know if it's with with Maurice or with his other advisors. Is you know do we you know do we finally can this guy? He you know he got us to the conference final last year, but man, he, he didn't do a whole lot to get us through the Blues this year. And it's not well, so much. And that, well, I was going to say that they they it wasn't just they didn't you know finish strong and just tank in the playoffs. They had a terrible. After when the Blues took off after January fourth, they they were they were they fell. I mean, they were not the team they were before, at all. They nope. should have played Dallas. And now, listen, I know in, maybe by the time this this posts in the podcast, Dallas has moved on to the second round. We'll see. Right now, it's uh, in OT between Nashville and, and Dallas. But I think Winnipeg has a pretty good chance against Dallas. I think I, I think they they can play better against them than they do the Predators or the the Blues. I think they and, beat uh, I think they beat Nashville or Dallas. To yeah, be honest, I think definitely Dallas for sure. Nashville, I don't know, but but definitely Dallas. And <laughs> I'll say too, and, and we didn't mention this earlier. Uh, both both Douglas Johannes and Jesse Hill in our YouTube chat. Uh, Maurice said he did it to back his goalie because the goalie said it was interference. Um, yes, he has to trust his goalie. I get that, but. At the same time, 23 seconds into the game, and, and you've got a video coach who's who can say, like, I wouldn't think that if a goalie's, ah, goalie interference, right away the goalie's, the, 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 the coach is throwing the, the red flag. Okay, our goalie says, no, he's going to go to the video guy and say, what do you think? He's saying goalie interference. Please tell me we have something to challenge here. 
I don't right. and it you can't if, just go off what the goalie's saying in the moment. Huh? Right. And and here's here's the point about Hellebuck in that moment. If if he's so fragile that his coach has to make a risky play to back him, I mean that that doesn't say a whole lot about the confidence that they must have in his mental ability. I don't I don't think Hellebuck knows the rules. Uh, because if, if he's saying that's interference, that was not interference. The first play was not even close to being interference. Not even close. Um, well, you you can a, a goalie can be touched. A guy can touch you. Um, it's not like it used to be uh, 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 for a while where if you just brushed a goalie, I mean it was it was interference. Uh, it's just not the same. Uh, and I, I, I he he should know that. He, I and his post game comments too, where he whining and saying uh, that he couldn't move for 10 seconds because Maroon had a hold of his trapper. I'm like, 10 seconds? Are you serious? It was like two seconds tops. I just, he's just lying. So I, you know. Well, you just, you just can't. Heat of the moment, goalies, anyone, any player is going to say, I mean, I, I remember specifically when I was playing, when I was, you know, still playing competitively in high school, um, where I, I got uh, I got hit, I came to the bench, and I'm like, that mf -er just, you know, he clipped me high, and, and, and one of my teammates is like, no, man, it's uh, it definitely wasn't. Like, you just kind of ducked your head down, you kind of ran into a stick. No, that mf -er, he clipped me. No, nah, man, you ran into a stick. And luckily, we had somebody recording the game. I went back, and I was like, oh, I'm going to show him. Went back and watched the tape. Yeah, okay, that was more my fault. So it's just... You can't just go off a player's emotion. You know, I mean, you have to have some common sense and say, okay, Hellebuck is telling me right now that, that this, this is goalie interference. What do you guys say? You yeah, can't just no. go off a goalie. So it, I don't buy that as that's the only excuse. I Somebody would never, else had to tell Maurice to challenge it. I would never go by strictly what a, what a, what a player says. Um, Unless it's late in the game and you almost have to anyway. I, I, I like how many times you see in baseball games. Uh, there's, a, there's a close play uh, uh, about tagging a player on a base, and the and the fielder says, "Ooh, ooh, ooh waves to the dugout, challenge, challenge, challenge," and they get it wrong. It, it, it happens all the time. I, I, you well, can't. You, you trust your guy. Trust your video guy. And the the players in the heat of the moment, they're not going to know exactly necessarily what happened. And I don't can, even. I don't even think a Blues player touched Hollaback. I mean, uh, uh, what, what Jesse Hill said. Uh, in the YouTube chat, it was a uh, Buffalo that that interfered with him, uh, that hit him. I don't think a Blues. I don't think a Blues player even touched him. Yeah, and and well, that's something else about it is you know, <clears throat> goalie might not see who hit him, and if if he feels touched and he doesn't see who it is, and the puck goes in the net, first thing he's going to do is claim interference. And can you blame him? You know, ah, I, oh, I couldn't move my blocker. I couldn't move my leg pad. You know, you're not. Maybe you don't know who it is that's next to you. And that's just the first thing you're thinking. And it's just, you, you have to have somebody else to make that call for you. Maybe they, uh, maybe they, maybe you put the, the goalie or the defenseman puts the idea in your head. Hey, we should challenge this, but you have to go to somebody else to make that call. And, and, and let's face it too. If it was Maurice who was just, Oh, Connor's calling for it. I just, I need to just do it. If it's a, Connor Hellebuck, I have to make this call or I'm going to catch shit from him later. Maybe he doesn't need to be your goalie. If it's if if that is has anything to do with it, you know, I would think a goalie would understand, "Hey man, we were 23 seconds into the game. We can't waste a challenge there." 
this this overtime game is 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 pretty damn good. <laughs> Rene yeah, just uh, stoned. I think it was Sagan. Oh my god, jeez. Mm. Uh, about four minutes into the third period, uh, Schwartz capped off his uh, natural hat trick. Which, for those of you not aware, natural hat trick is, hat trick is three goals in a row scored by the same player, uh, with no other goals scored by either team in between. Um, so actually, has four goals straight because he scored the game winner in game five. Right, he had two goals in thirty-eight seconds. Right, if you he did. Think about it. Uh, O'Reilly sent a fantastic backhand pass off the boards as is being checked up to center to spring Schwartz and Shen on a two-on-one. Uh, Shifley uh, did get back to cover Shen on the 2-1, but Bufflin had slid down a little too early, and Schwartz cut to the middle, uh, uh, hopping past uh, uh, the outstretched Bufflin, uh, and waited a stride or two, froze Hellebuck, and beat him blocker side for a 3 nothing lead. And I'll be honest with you, at when this goal was scored, I'm like, this game's done. This game's over. Yep. I mean, there's no – I mean, the way the Blues are playing, they, the Blues had only allowed six shots through two periods. Six shots against a team that's the, the, where their offense is supposed to be the strongest part of their game. And they only had six shots through two periods in an elimination game for them. How is that even acceptable for anybody yeah. in Winnipeg? My God. Yeah, total, total domination through two periods. Yep. Two and a half yeah. periods, really. We uh we talk about last last show. If you go back and listen, we say we have not seen the Blues' best game yet. We have not seen them play their game. They were playing their game this game. Yep. They this was the best they looked, and it was the perfect time. And, and for Jaden Schwartz, you know, two three years ago, Jaden Schwartz would go out with an injury, and the Blues would not look like the same team. And it, that has not been the case this year. When Jaden Schwartz plays the way he did, that third goal was the one that impressed me the most. That's the Jaden Schwartz we used yep. to see. That's the kind of stuff up I want to see. And if he's skating the way he's skating there, if he's getting a shot on net the way he put the shot on net, he's going to be an effective player for the Blues. And if he has finally figured it out this season, look out for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, the St. Louis crowd started to chant, you look nervous, which was in response to uh, the Winnipeg crowd chanting, you look nervous, the in-game five to Bennington, which was kind of silly because, uh, um, well, it wasn't silly because we were, they were up 2 nothing at the time. But no, uh, I, Man, I, I I loved the banter. Oh, I did, oh, I did too. Bases. And you know what? This that, was great. Th- those, are, those are clever chants. Uh, yeah. Nashville needs to learn from, from this stuff. Uh, I, yeah, when, when the Blues play Chicago or Nashville, I get more annoyed. I was loving every second of of the Winnipeg fans and the St. Louis fans coming back at them. Just great stuff. I loved it. You know, as passionate as Nashville fans are, which I love the passion. It's it's fantastic. But but you know what? You've got all this passion and you sink it into shitty chants. It's just so it's just so it's just a waste. Yeah. Um to me. Yeah. The the high school sports feel of it. Yeah. It's just it's it's juvenile. And it is a uh, an immature fan base. Yeah, you suck. Yeah. That's clever. It's all your fault. It's, it's all, all your, your fault. fault. It's all your fault. Yeah, we're, we're in fourth grade. Jeez. Yeah. That's just, yeah. it, that it, said. That said, I'm hoping for a you know a, a PK Subban fourth overtime goal here tonight, <laughs> but just tonight. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I. Uh... It was funny when going into this series, I was, you know, talking to some people who weren't 
really big hockey fans, but we're going to start watching because, you know, they that's how a lot of people in St. Louis are. Well, sports, let's just say sports in general. Um, and I told him, I'm like, hey, when they're in Winnipeg, pay attention to their crowd because they are hilarious. They, I remember a couple of years ago when they came back in the playoffs for the first time and played Anaheim, they were chanting Katy Perry every time Corey Perry touched the puck. <laughs> I mean, they just, they, they're clever. They come up with silly stuff. I mentioned on Twitter, and uh, the guy actually found me on Twitter after I posted it. Uh, there was a sign, and I think it was game one, uh, behind uh, uh, Craig Berube of Vladimir Tarasenko holding a stuffed bear in a pink uh, button-up shirt yeah. with a pink background. Yeah. Literally photoshopped, but hilarious. Just It's just so simple and hilarious. I mean, how can you not laugh at that, even as a St. Louis Blues fan, even as a I'm sure even Vladimir Tarasenko laughed about it in the locker room. Well, that picture's been I around mean, for a while. That picture, I've seen that picture before. That's funny stuff. Yeah. That's funny stuff. So I just, I love it. And, uh, you know, I, well, after this uh, game wraps up, I want to talk about, if you guys read the review from the, uh, the, the guy who came down to St. Louis for, I think it was game four. Yeah. Um, oh, God, just Winnipeg fans. I love them. And this was. I, I hope we see them in the playoffs every year after this. This was a fun series for many reasons. So the Jets made a game of it um, after the Blues went up 3-0. Uh, Bufflin scores with under eight minutes left. And then uh, and then within 30, with, it, with 36 seconds to go, the Jets uh, made a nice play on a two-on-one down low. I'm not sure I, I didn't uh, how this happened. Uh, you get a two-goal lead, less than a minute to go. How they ended up with a break two-on-one down low, I have no idea. But uh, real nice pass down low. Uh, Perot scores to uh, cut the lead to three to two. Uh, pass back door. But so the Jets had, and and after that the Jets had a couple more shots and one and one pretty good one, a sneaky good low shot from Line A. Uh, but Bennington held the fort and they uh, eliminated the Jets in six games. So this yeah. was yeah. The uh, what about Bufflin's backhander? Oh, off the uh, that, yeah, that was off uh, the crossbar. That was yeah, that early. was. I think it was still three to one at that point. But, yeah, yep. that was that was before they scored, wasn't it? I thought it was before yeah. they scored. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's right. Yeah, but yeah, easily, easily, you know, they. I mean, they just they seemed to you know turn it on a little bit too late, but yep. you know, I still felt like you know I I was still confident that we could hang on, and we did. But yeah, just, I was confident because you know we we talked about the Blues play honestly even. Games one through five, even the games they won, that it was just, oh, you know, was, oh boy, are they going to be able to hold on to this? Are they going to be able to, you know, it, game six, this was the Blues team we've seen from January to April. And um, I I was confident all the way through. I mean, they put that first goal in and then they just, they kept pouring it on. Like, like Kurt said, six shots through two periods. I mean, that's to hold Winnipeg to that is insane. And plus, on top of that, Jordan Biddington has just played well the whole series, in my opinion, except for maybe game three, just shutting the door on him. And the Blues are just controlling the puck. I mean, we talked about how they, they didn't have a defenseman score. Well, the way that they controlled the puck in game six, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Blues defense would have put up one or two goals there because um, they didn't have any chances the first five games, but... They all look good that sixth game, and and hopefully this is uh, signs of more to come here in the second round. This is only the second time uh, in franchise history the Blues have won a game six at home. 
which I found curiously interesting. That and okay, well, I think somebody said, "Well, we never won a cup," so yeah. I'm like, "No, you understand. We've been in the playoffs all but nine years of our uh, of our existence, so we've had a lot of playoff games and uh, never won a game six. Uh, well, we this is only the second time we've won a game six at home in franchise history. It's crazy." Uh, the Jets only had six shots through two periods. Uh, finished by uh, we finished by shooting them thirty six to twenty, so they had a fourteen shot barrage in the third period. Uh, obviously, because their season was on the line. Uh, the Blues soundly outplayed the Jets in Game Six. Uh, they outhit the Jets. They put in a power play goal. They won the faceoff battle, and uh, easily played their best game of the series by far. So something that that I can't stand when I see people post is. Um, you know, if uh, if you look at uh, games, I think it was games uh, uh, for I think it was games one and two that the Jets out hit the Blues, and and people were upset. Oh, come on, you got you can't let them. No, they're out hitting the Blues because the Blues have the had puck. the puck possession. Yeah. So you, I'm okay with the Blues getting out hit every single game because that probably means they had the puck more. Um, but the fact that they had the possession in Game Six. And still out hit the Jets. That's impressive. Uh, that again, that's Craig Berube hockey. That's what we've become accustomed to. And oh, just glorious game for the Blues. One for the ages. Um, that's one that I hope we look back at in a couple months and say that is where they turned it on, and that's where they turned it around. Remember uh, last week, the uh, one of the social media fails was the guy who said when it was two two, they lost the two at home. He goes, I'm done with this team. And I'm um, basically not watching another game. Uh, this We're done. This series sucks. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he watched games five and six. Sure of it. Probably. Douchebag. <laughs> um, I'm serious. It was a stupid thing to say. It was dumb. Um, uh, Bennington was the uh, story of the first oh, five games or so. Uh, Jets had the better of the play. For, really, honestly, the Jets really played out. I mean, they didn't play great hockey. For they played, they had a really good uh, game. Was it game three? Um, but for the most part, uh, games uh, they the Jets outplayed the Blues. I'd say the Blues maybe won what three or four periods in the first four games tops. Um, Power play came up big in the second half of the series for the Blues. Uh, Schwartz was the hero in game five and six, and the Blues saved their best for last. So, and they are now the cup favorites, according to MoneyPuck.com, <laughs> our favorite site, MoneyPuck.com, who uh, apparently likes the Blues quite a bit. They are a thirteen point eight percent chance to win the cup, which is thirteen point three over San Jose. Interestingly enough. Well. The- the good news for, for I mean, the thing that's really impressive here is that they are a hundred percent locked to make the second round. <laughs> I saw that <laughs> <laughs> prognostication uh, at its finest. That's right. Uh, no, and, and uh, man, I gotta say, you know, I know that we we have a Jordan Bennington love fest on this show, and uh, you know, maybe people get sick of hearing about it because it, it, that is kind of the central story for this show and many other shows that that cover the Blues. But it really can't be overstated how impressive what this kid's doing. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how he's just been able. The kid has played. Yeah. I mean, we went into this year saying, "Oh, if if Chad Johnson, remember him, or Jake Allen get hurt, 
you got to call up possibly Jordan Bennington, who has never looked good in any appearance in the NHL. And then he comes up after Chad Johnson gets waived, and you say, oh, boy, he doesn't look good because he came in in relief, just didn't look good, didn't look set. Gets a start, just end of the story there. I mean, the kid just went on a run. And to win a playoff series at 25, a rookie in the NHL, playing with the, I mean, let's face it, you just mentioned it, Kurt, Stanley Cup aspirations. I mean, this team isn't supposed, isn't just some Cinderella story of, oh, well, they somehow got past Winnipeg. We'll see what they do in the second round, probably a sweep. It's not that at all. It's this team can win a Stanley Cup and they've got a rookie goalie back there. That is something that cannot be stated enough. Yeah, even the uh, TSN, the Winnipeg TSN guys said uh, that the Blues, as they were signing off today to go to, uh, they were covering something else, some sporting event. But they said that uh, the Blues are now the favorites to win the Cup, according to their analysis. So that it's not just, I mean, it's really, I mean, to be, and it, and it's really uh, Bennington. You get stable goaltending that you can have confidence in. That's not going to waver. Um, that if it does, if they do give a bad goal, then they're not going to crumble. That's huge. And I think anybody that doesn't give uh, Bennington credit for what uh, he's done for this team um, wants to uh, downplay his efforts um, in any of the games in this series, or or, or run rake him over the coals for. Uh, the six, six goals he gave up in uh, in, in the one game, uh, just get out of here, get the fuck out. Uh, you you don't know what you're talking about. Um, you, sour grapes over something. I don't know. Um, not seeing something the way you should. Um, but uh, he he deserves uh, all the credit in the world for where this team is because without him, we're not even in the playoffs. Um, right. And it's, to be honest, and not even close. And uh, without him. We may have lost in this first round because Winnipeg had the better of the play um, for, through four games, and they could have been up three-one easy. Um, but I mean, he was good. He was really, really fucking good. It's easy to shit on Jake Allen and say there's no mm. way Jake Allen gets them to the second round, but you could make that case about many goalies. I mean, not anything. To, it's not anything against Jake Allen. It's Jordan Bennington has played this well, and he's played like an elite NHL goalie. Right. Uh, it's you know, I said I, I made comments early on after Bennington came in that you know a lot of it had to do with just getting competent goaltending, and you know it. I was hesitant to say you know that he was playing at a at a very high level and an elite level just because it was such a small sample size but you know coming into the playoffs and seeing him put up the same kind of confident performances you know he he looks like an elite goalie he's not just a competent goalie which is kind of the argument that i i I made to a lot of people going down the stretch as as to you know why the blues playing better because they have a competent goalie no they they have an elite goalie and that's why they are so favorite right now yeah Uh, a couple comments from people oh i was just gonna comment on the i was i was gonna say this when i was in in the playoffs when scoring is at a premium and 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 uh it's it's Goals are tougher to come by. Uh, you need goaltending to win you games 
often in the playoffs. Uh, that's I mean, you you may only score a couple goals in a game, and you may have to win a game two to one, and and Bennington can do that for you. So Rodney Metz, a uh, couple comments from him. Um, don't think we've had comments from him before. So welcome to the show, Rodney. If you've never commented before, uh, Bennington has given a fan base hope. Hell yes. I mean that's something this this fan base needs, and that's awesome. Uh, he said we would have been watching the draft lottery if it wasn't for Bennington. Very true. Very I think uh, we would have been more focused on that than the playoffs. Uh, Bob Rakowski adds, uh, doesn't feel like they're getting into every game. One goal down with Bennington kind of always felt that way with Allen. Again, I'm not wanting this to be a shit on Allen show, but I, it kind of always comes that way, though, doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's just it's just. Jake Allen, we've said on the show, he's not a number one goalie, solid one B, maybe two A kind of goalie. But, uh, you know, Jordan Bennington is showing us that maybe he really is a solid NHL starter. He he is until he's not. And I, right. I, I think that that's I, I, he is. He is what he is. And he's like Bill said, he's playing at an elite level. So he's an elite goalie until he's not. Right. He's he's uh, Patrick Leem when he first came up with the Penguins <laughs> in the late 90s. He's Andrew Hammond. Uh, but Hammond didn't get the Senators all the way through the playoffs. So right now, I'd, I'd say he's uh, he's definitely uh, in a better position than both of those guys. Well, let's face it. I mean, Matt Murray is a guy who went out and won two Stanley Cups. And I'm well, definitely not comparing those two right now. But Matt Murray has looked fairly pedestrian the last couple seasons. Yeah. Um, I, and they, they put all their eggs in the Matt Murray basket. Right. Gave up on Flurry, let him go to Vegas in the uh, expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. A, lot, a lot of Pittsburgh fans are not happy about that. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so who do you guys want to see in the second round? This game is still going on, Dallas and, and Nashville, as we re- do the show. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and overtime. Four and a half to go. I'm at four and a half to go right now, streaming. Mm. But uh, so, who do you guys who do you guys want? We've talked about this before. Has anything changed uh, on who you want to see in the second round? Uh, so the way uh, the way Nashville doesn't seem to be on top of their game, I think I I'd prefer them. Um, and I think it has to do with the fact that uh, Dallas is the only team to. Uh, hang four on Bennington twice this season. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, Nashville, we we went into the playoffs saying if we could get Nashville, that's who we want, and that's the way it looked for about two months, and that's who they were going to play. Um, so I still say Nashville for the same reason. I think that uh, they just they match up well with them, and for whatever reason, they don't with Dallas. And honestly, watching I've watched a lot of this Dallas Nashville series. Dallas is for real. Um, you know, we know they've got the firepower in, in Ben and Sagan, and, and that was kind of my thought going into the year. Well, who do you have behind that? They got some guys, I mean, especially on the blue line, that can play some offense. And not only that, Ben Bishop's a Vezina Trophy finalist this year. He has played yeah. lights out for the Stars, and he's yeah. always played well against the Blues. So I, I don't. And I don't want to root against Ben Bishop either, because I'm always going to root him on. But uh, man, I, I I think I think I want Nashville still. I think I still want I want the revenge from two years ago, and I think the Blues do match up a little bit. Oh, with 
I hate both these teams. Oh. But watch it, Kurt. Watch it. I'm watching. Oh, okay, Dallas. Is, oh, is Dallas going to score here? They, ooh, post. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I am now 15 <laughs> seconds the other side of you. Oh, that's weird. Oh. All right, so now I'm 30, 30 to 45 seconds behind you guys. Anyway, I uh, I um I hate both these teams with I so, with a passion. So can can you wait for it, Kurt? Oh, can you there wait we go. For it? Can, I, can you wait for it? I saw it. I saw it. Has, has Pondo seen it yet? I don't think he has. We'll no. let him. No spoilers. All right. Keep talking. <laughs> I don't want to be upset. <laughs> I wanted Nashville, um, but. The I wanted Nashville. It was a, it was a it was like a double edged sword. I wanted Nashville, but we were we'd start on the road and not have home ice. I know home ice isn't much of an advantage in the playoffs. They always put the numbers oh like twenty road teams of one and twenty home twenty one home teams of one. It's not much of a home ice advantage. I don't care. I, I'd rather see the Blues play at home and have that game seven at home if it goes seven. I just just. I just I I feel better about it. Um, it is nice to see Nashville lose, though. I'm gonna be honest I, to see they're just yeah, it's all his fault. <laughs> um, but I but you know, we we have home ice against Dallas, so we're playing the Stars now. We have home ice against Dallas. Um, I am nervous about Ben and I'm nervous about Bishop because yeah. uh, how many times in the history of forever that we see the blues get shut down by a hot goalie and, yeah. uh, and Ben destroys us. Yeah. So I, if we can shut down Ben, maybe Bishop. Ben, so there are several stars that, that seem to really take it to the blues. Jamie Ben, of course is the number one guy, but fuck, how many times do you hear Radic Foxa coming up with a huge game against the blues? Yep. That and John Klingberg who just scored the, the series clincher. I mean, the, these guys are are going to be more than a handful, and uh, I'll be interested to see how close to a a coin toss the prognostication is on this series. I was wanting to see Heiskanen. They're both yeah. just so good yeah. on the blue line. I wanted to see yeah. this series go seven because we're gonna they're gonna have a break now. Yeah, because because there's gonna be a game seven in uh, in uh, in, the, in at Washington. least one game seven in the east. Yeah, Washington and, and yes. one in the west. Yep. Yeah. So actually, two game sevens in the east. They're gonna have a few days off. So I mean, they'll, they'll get a little bit of rest, which I was hoping to see there play game seven because game six we played game six on Saturday. Their game six was tonight. Right. Uh, two days they, after ours. They played game five the same day we played yep. game six. Yeah. So I was really hoping this one would go seven because they might get like one day off. Yeah, maybe. Right. Um, but no, that's not gonna happen. So and I hate Radulov too. I something about him just drives me. I can't stand that man. I've always yeah. hated Radulov because the way he treated the yes. league. Yes, he first left time he yes. came through because he left. He left to go to play in the KHL, right? For uh, yeah, left yep. to go play in the KHL. Then he came back, and all of a sudden he was out partying until five a.m. the night before a playoff game. Just uh, I don't like his attitude. I Poor I know Nash, he's probably though. grown up since then, but yeah. Um, so I want to mention too, before we, um, I don't know if we're going to plan on previewing the, uh, the series anymore, we're wanting to get into our social media fails or what, but, uh, I just want to comment real quick on, for those that haven't seen it, I kind of mentioned this earlier, a little foreshadowing, I guess, uh, the, uh, Winnipeg Jets fan that wrote the review of St. Louis, um, basically came through one tickets for game four, said he was in town for about 36 hours, 
stayed downtown. Um, I uh, I don't have the the in front of me, but he went to a lot of our great spots. He went out to obviously went on saw the arch, uh, checked out a couple of local restaurants, some of the better ones, um, and wrote a raving review about St. Louis, uh, basically saying that that we're a, a classy city. Um, and then not just that, but I've seen many Jets fans who came down here for games or uh, Jets fans talking about Blues fans who came up to Winnipeg um, who just said that we're great sports fans. We're welcoming. Uh, they had great experiences at Enterprise. They had great experiences talking to Blues fans. Um, so listen, Nashville fans, maybe there's just more of an animosity there. Every Nashville fan I've talked to said that they get treated poorly in St. Louis, that St. Louis is a bunch of bunch of jerks, as Don Cherry would say. Um, but for whatever reason, Winnipeg, St. Louis, I guess there's some kind of kinship there, maybe. I don't know. But um, everything I saw from Winnipeg fans and media, except for the free press, um, well, the comments awesome. from Nash- the comments from Nashville fans are coming from people that that chant "You suck." at games so i mean take that for with a grain of salt that's true (laughs) except for jeremy gover our friend jeremy gover the uh the the winnipeg guy uh the 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 who came to uh st louis uh for the for the trip he uh he mentioned uh going on reddit and uh talking to some st louis fans about uh suggestions and places to go and stuff like that so uh that was and he said uh, uh and on even on reddit too the they were the people were fantastic and had just within minutes he had tons of suggestions recommendations of places to go stuff like that so way more than he could possibly fit into his 36 hours when he was here so um it, you know it, it, it's 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 a it's a good city people are good uh for the most part so and sports wise too it's a good sports city so people people get it i never really understood why and this is that you know this is just a brief comment why when teams like send you know they have the 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 ticket package oh we'll send you down and uh you win why not just have an open-ended ticket say your ticket your fly back we'll reimburse you or you know here's a gift card or whatever how are you gonna have to do it and then say we're paying for one night or two nights at this hotel come back whenever you feel because he even said he's like man i wish i could have stayed longer and it's a real shame. Like that would have been good for that fan to experience St. Louis a little bit more because he said he had such a great time here. Maybe, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, maybe because of getting a ticket like a day before you return, it could be like five times as much <laughs> money. Maybe. Yeah. And they may, and they probably got deals through a travel agent and stuff. That's going to, you know, make stuff cheaper. Yeah, I assume, but no, I get you. That that would be kind of a yeah. Yeah, if, the, if you know, let's say the Blues go to the Stanley Cup final and we're playing against Boston or um, you know Toronto, uh, man, if if somebody if a Blues fan won tickets, they're gonna want to go for three four days as opposed to one. I agree. Ah, oh, so we're playing Dallas. Uh, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I was uneasy with a matchup against Winnipeg. Um, I wanted Nashville in the first round and I'm, I was uneasy with the matchup with Winnipeg. It worked out and now I'm uneasy again with the matchup against Dallas. I would have, I would have, I was looking forward to playing Nashville more of a, all right, let's play some, let's play some hockey as now I'm like, 
oh shit, but now we got to worry about this and this. You know, I was just yeah, right. I, it's real. Yeah, it's real, and it's like oh god, I can I can see the Blues losing the series if they don't do this and this and this. Otherwise, when they play Nashville, I can say okay, we match up well against Nashville, like you were saying, Jeff, and I just it 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 just it just feels better against Nashville. I don't know. Maybe Bishop gets hurt. Gets hurt. <laughs> Pre-game skate uh, before game one. Tweak a knee. I remember back in 2001 when Peter Forsberg had, was it appendicitis uh, before his series with the, the Blues? And everybody was like, wow, well, no Forsberg. They're going to win now. Yeah. Not exactly the case. No. <laughs> um, uh, we got any other uh, Blues for Stars? We're facing Dallas. Nashville has more players that are easier to hate. That's true. Well, I don't know. I mean, Ben, God, Ben, I've talked about yeah. Ben a lot on the show. I hate Ben. Uh, yeah, he's, he is so easy to hate. Uh, like you said, Radulov. Yeah. Something tells me by the end of the series, we're going to hate Matt Zuccarello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the way, Blues fans, keep this in mind. He hates the nickname Norwegian Hobbit Wizard. So make sure you yes. call it to him if you see him out. <laughs> so. Yes. And bring your bring your signs. Yes. Well, at least uh, Line A can play uh, Fortnite a little more often now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No season. That was one of my favorite memes today. Did you? I, I, they were talking on Winnipeg Sports Talk Radio today about how the maturity level on the team wasn't what they had hoped it was going to be. <laughs> I'm thinking is that because of the Fortnite playing by some of the big players on the team. <laughs> that's that just strikes me awesome. as a maturity level thing. That they have issues with, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm, this should uh, this should be an interesting series. I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it because it's a second round series, and you know, last time, let's face it, it was seven games, but I feel like the Blues handled them pretty well. But I mean, that was 2016. Um, we'll see. Uh, Jamie Ben, they got a. That's the that's the thing with with Dallas. I think. Obviously, they got a lot of weapons that can that can put you down. But if you can neutralize Jamie Ben, not just his goal scoring, but his physical play, I think that's your first step. You got to have, and that and again, that was the the issue early in the series with Winnipeg. Their big bodies were getting to the net and causing havoc. Jamie Ben's going to do the exact same thing. Um, uh, uh, Faxa is going to do the same thing. So you're going to have to neutralize that play. And uh, Bennington's going to have to cover as many rebounds as possible. Blues are going to have to be careful on icings. Uh, I, again, I, th- I think they were pretty weak on that early in the Winnipeg series. Um, uh, this is just, yeah, I, uh, I'm a little uneasy about it. But um, I still think the Blues can come out on top if they if they play the way they did in game six. I'm, I'm glad they're going to start at home. I, li- I like that. Yeah. Although, I mean, granted, like I said before, the home ice advantage thing is, is not – a big advantage, but I, I just, I'm more comfortable in them being home against the stars. How about that? The blues have home ice now, uh, For, through the rest of the Western conference final or the Western yeah. conference. That's yep. amazing. Crazy to think about. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, we have no social media fails this show, unless you got one, Jeff. Uh, it's probably something you said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> social media. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> social media winning 
I think. Oh, you know what? Doug's right. We don't. He's right. If Vegas wins, we would not have home ice. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, dog. Thanks for the correction. Whatever. Uh, uh, It's late. Yes, it's late. late. We we can't keep everything straight. No. And that will, uh, I think that'll about do it for this week's show. So we'll, uh, I guess the series will start. When's game seven and the other series? Uh, is it tomorrow? Tuesday. So there, there are two. So you yes, have Boston, uh, Boston, Toronto tomorrow, and then Wednesday, uh, Carolina and uh, Washington. So earliest would be Thursday. Okay. L.A. and or I'm sorry, Las Vegas and San Jose is tomorrow too, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, good. Doug asked in the YouTube chat, "Why didn't you open this up?" Because this show is about two hours old right now. And we <laughs> we need to we gotta go. It's yeah. uh, it's hard to open up, honestly, in, in playoff time because we, uh, we there's there's a lot to talk about. If if we could hard to, if we had about an hour long show, uh, if we could an hour hour and fifteen, we would open it up. But yeah, this, we're about at two hours now, so we're gonna yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna cut it. Sorry. Uh, so so we got a big uh, big big week coming up here, guys. This should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and our next show will be I don't know. We'll announce it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we yeah. don't even know what the schedule is yet. No. Nope. Yep. Yep. Should be uh, two, maybe three games played at that point. Yeah, I'd say what Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, one of those days next week. Yeah. Seems like it. Uh, that will do it for this week's show. For Jeff Ponder and Bill Day, I'm Kurt Price. That will conclude this week's broadcast of Let's Go Blues Radio. Until next time, everyone, let's go blues. Let's go blues. Bishop. Let's go blues. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues, St. Louis Blues, have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun, they're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The blues are on the ice tonight again. They're rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friends.